Welcome to Bank the Fire. I'm your host, Bob, and I started this podcast as an excuse to sit down with interesting people and share my conversations with you. I meet with entrepreneurs, CEOs, and friends to discuss what drives and motivates them, their definition of success, and what they do to keep themselves going. Today, I sit down with the producer of Bank the Fire, Desi with a Z. We discuss her success as an artist once she started doing it for herself. We discuss the mindset of the solopreneur and our love of therapy and the importance of loving ourselves. This is what conversations sound like with my producer. Enjoy. Hey, all. I am sitting here with Desi Fernandez today. What's up? Hi. Singer-songwriter, performer extraordinaire, uh, and the producer of this podcast. Absolutely. And she has her own mic today, folks. For yes. once. Instead for of once. me just leaning over and like whispering into yours. Right. Or like, uh, and for any of you, all of you, if you haven't checked out last week's episode, it was the Desi Hour as Xenia Read me for filth. What? Zenia read me for filth. I don't know if everyone's going to know what that expression means. She uh, called me on my shit. Yeah. In a, in she an, read me. In an incredible way. In a really cool way that was like, oh, like, how? How do you know that we met one time, right. didn't talk that much because I was working. Right. And you guys were having your conversation. Right. And I remember and then I just sent her my info and she came in and she birthday, was birthday, like, the time. And she was saying things that I about myself that I've tried to find the words to say about myself yeah. for a really long time. And yeah. I was like, oh. And the thing I love that you said was <laughs> people have known me for years and don't know me this well. Yeah. I love that. It's crazy. And also I think Zini is such an intuitive person that she knows with. how to like read people really well yeah. to begin with. To begin with. Right. And then to have all of these other tools on top of it. It's just, it was really cool. So full disclosure, I, so yes, I mentioned that Desi is a singer-songwriter and I haven't actually listened to her music much. So you don't listen to my music. (laughs) So you hate me. I hate you. No. Um, Okay. So for all you people listening, um, Desi and I, this is our, we're closing our second season with Miss Desi. And I, and all this time, I, I haven't listened to her music because, <sighs> okay, I'm going to be vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Because I just love Desi and Livy so much. I don't need more reasons to like love them and fawn over them. You will. Stop it. <laughs> Oh yeah. So, which brings me to my question: Like, how do you? How can you stand it needing all this love and attention? <laughs> and I bring this up because Libby pointed out to me that Desi is a seasoned performer, has done like over a hundred shows, and was it been many more than that? I've been performing yeah. since I was eleven. Okay, tell us your story because it's like I don't know any of this. Yeah. So because I can't stand it. <laughs> I. <laughs> Because you hate me. No. Um, so <laughs> I started performing when I was 11. I wrote my first song when I was 10. It's called Right Guy. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> you didn't know you were queer yet? Well, I, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> okay, also, okay. coming to terms with bisexuality was very confusing. Mm. Very, very confusing. That's another conversation. But my parents knew that I wanted to play guitar. They got me in lessons. And I had one lesson with this guy, John Kelly, who was absolutely amazing. He was like an incredible mentor to me. And... He taught me a Taylor Swift song and he heard me sing and he was like, have you ever thought about getting on stage? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, actually. And I, was like, I was like, yeah, I'm 10. Like I was a baby. 
And he immediately like started putting me in shows. Like he started, I think I did my first show at a restaurant called Hoagie's in Lansing, Michigan. Like it was like a sub shop or something like that. Wait, so he wasn't just a guitar teacher or Mm -hmm. he was just good. He was my guitar teacher, but he also did a lot of performances. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if there were ever any, he, he was a working musician. He had his own band. Yeah. Yeah. And he also was like a great mentor for like young kids who Mm -hmm. also wanted to start performing. So he had, he would put on like little showcases with all of his students who like love to perform and I would play with his other students and we would like do collaborations and stuff. Like it was really cool. It was very, very sweet. What was the um, Taylor Swift song? Not that I would know. Our that. song. Our song is a slam and screen door. Yeah. Speaking alley, Devin on his window. <laughs> it was country. I did like country wow. for a couple of years because it was Michigan. Oh. Growing up in the middle of nowhere in Michigan, that's like what there was. It was like folk and country. I'm a Yankee New Yorker. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the, I like the idea. It was more folk. I, I'll say it was oh, more okay. folk than country. Yeah. Because I was like, that's where I was yeah. confused. It's like when it's yeah. south. It was a lot of, of like Mason Dixon grassroots country, stuff, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's north of yeah. that. It's like bluegrass folk. or yes, folk. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Singer, songwriter. So it was more that vibe. <laughs> right. Okay. You know, guitar, indie, mm-hmm. that thing. How would you describe your music now for listeners who do not know? <laughs> Very different than that. Yeah. Okay. Now I do like, um, Bad bitch, hard hitting pop. Yeah, don't listen to this stuff with your toddler don't around. Listen like to I it with tried. kids around. Yeah, no. Do it when you need to like feel yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I want people to listen to my music when they need to get hyped up for something. Like mm-hmm. if I had this girl hit me up, I released a song called Bad Bitch. Yeah, and I wrote it after me and my ex boyfriend broke up, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel like a bad bitch at all. I was really in a in a tough spot, and I was like, I went into the session. I was like, you guys, I need to like manifest. I was like, I need to manifest how I want to feel in a couple months because I don't feel this way right now. Mm-hmm. And it was like, the lyrics were like, oh shit, help me back so long I didn't notice. Damn, it's time I put my life in focus. I couldn't be a bad bitch with your baggage. Yeah. And um, wrote that. It's this whole thing of like, oh, you were like holding me back. I'm a baddie. Like you lost the baddest bitch, that mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I released that. And I had this girl reach out. She was like, hey, I just got out of a really difficult traumatic breakup and I've like really not been feeling well at all and just been like not in a good spot at all and she was like I heard bad bitch and it inspired me to like get dressed up yeah dress to the nines and take myself out on a date and like strut yeah and just feel fucking good and I was like if I can make people feel that done and how old were you at that time when that happened when Mm -hmm. that song came out yeah that song came out last year I'm just thinking about like I wrote the song in 2020 Okay, I'm but it just came out last year. The like you wrote your first song yeah. when you were like ten, mm-hmm. and then then you released your first song in 2020. I stopped doing music for a while. Do you want to get into that? <laughs> so I did it up through. I went to Interlochen Arts Academy. You know, the head of the songwriter program saw me perform live, and she was like, she like approached my mom because my mom was like filming, and she just figured that it was my mom, <laughs> and was like, hey, I'm starting a new program at Interlochen Arts Academy. It's called the Song Singer Songwriter Program, and if she gets into the academy, then she's got a spot in the program. And it's a very expensive school. And it's actually something that we'd always joked about as a family because it's like a very expensive school. Mm-hmm. And my mm. sister's also in music. And it was always like, haha, as if. Right. And then my mom like jokingly told me about this. And she was like, yeah. Like like two weeks after that happened, she was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. Like, haha, <laughs> this happened. Mm-hmm. And then I went and like applied behind their backs because uh-huh. once I have my brain set on something that's it yeah I was like ah, yeah that's so funny and then I started looking into it and I was like applied got financial aid 
talked to my parents, you know, like I was like, I got in. Yeah. <laughs> and luckily I've always had parents who were very, very supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, so they made it work. And I went my junior, senior, senior year there. Graduated, went to, uh, sorry, went to NYU mm-hmm. to their recorded music program. Is that what brought you to New York? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I went to the recorded music program and had a tough time there and kind of didn't love music as much by the end of it. Because um, of the program itself or because of the transition to New York? No, not the transition to New York. I, New York is it. New mm-hmm. York has always felt like home since I moved here. I was like, yeah. yep, yeah. I get energy from this. Mm-hmm. I think the politics of the program, the politics of the industry, uh, I had some like big traumatic things happen. That's probably the biggest thing mm-hmm. um, that kind of like set me back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And things happened, you know, with some executives in the industry. I was like assaulted by an executive and... Part of the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, that's really scary as a young woman in the industry, mm-hmm. especially being like, if I speak up about this, if I do whatever, mm-hmm. like my in, my entire career could be Yeah. This is before, before the Weinstein thing came out. Yeah. This is before all of this. Yeah. I was in college. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like, I didn't realize at the time that it kind of like stopped me from doing music, mm-hmm. but I had like all of these blockages inside of mm-hmm. me and you all like, of this stuff going on. I was like holding on to a lot of things. It sounds like you really embodied the experience. I, I and really that did. Trauma was a lot of built up trauma from past things too that mm-hmm. I just, you know, came to pent up and I needed yeah. to address it. Yeah. Um, did you know that at the time? No, I didn't. I was just kind of like not in a good place. Mm hmm. And, you know, I don't think at the time I even realized that I wasn't in a good place until, sure. like, looking back now. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't realize until the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, like, didn't do music for a long time. I didn't love myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't, like, I didn't even like myself. Because of how'd you get there? Was it because you thought you were at fault for what happened, which is very common? Or was it because of being disillusioned by… You know, I don't think it's so directly related to that, to, like, one incident. Mm-hmm. I have… CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Sorry, stutter. Um, So I have, you know, rather than like one, a lot of people will have one traumatic thing Mm -hmm. that they can link Mm -hmm. a trauma point to. And I can really because I feel like they're multi. Like, there's no. The more people talk about it, the more normalized talking about your trauma becomes. The more realized there's a lot of things that it links back to. Right. When you have one traumatic experience, it feels like there's no way that's like the first and only traumatic thing that's Mm -hmm. ever happened to you. It always feels like there's a lead. There's other things. When you start to work through it right. and process and deal with it mm-hmm. and face shit, mm-hmm. you start to carry yourself differently. Yeah. You really, you're, you know, yeah. well, changing you, your neural pathways. You actually are changing the chemistry of your brain. Right. And I carry myself way differently mm-hmm. than before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like 2020 happened and I'd graduated two years before and not really done anything. Mm-hmm. I worked at a restaurant. I was miserable. I was making so much money. And Working never, at a restaurant? So much money. I have no concept because I've never. I, I worked at a, I worked at this really fancy restaurant. Yeah, and I hated my life. I've never yeah. I've never made more money, and I've never been less happy. Yeah, um, take note, folks. Yeah, <laughs> and that's something I still think about all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, COVID happened. I moved back home to Michigan for a couple months, and like so many of us, I was fo- I was like forced to look at myself and sit with myself, and I was like, why am I so uncomfortable? Hmm. Why am I so uncomfortable being alone? Why am I dreading so much being alone? Mm-hmm. The George Floyd, everything happened. And I actually, that's kind of why I came back to New York because I was like, I'm a body and I want to be in that space. Like it's very important for bodies, for people who are privileged in positions of privilege to 
put their bodies in front of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. black bodies, especially in those situations. And I was like, I want to do that. I, arguably, as a white passing woman, mm-hmm. am the least likely yeah. to be assaulted. You know, right. I digress. But, you know, that's kind of the reason that I came back. I was like, I want to be out there wow. supporting this movement. Yeah. So I came back and I, like, really heavily protested for, like, three weeks straight. Mm-hmm. And then I, like— had like a baby mental breakdown, nothing like crazy, but I was just like, I'm not good. I was like, I'm not good here. Mm-hmm. And I, here, not New York, here, here in my myself, brain, within yeah. myself. And I was like, yeah. there's just shit. And it just all came to a head. I was like holding so much in my body. And I went home and I lived at my parents' cottage alone for a month. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just need to be with myself. Yeah. And I just went kayaking every day. I started going to therapy multiple times a week. It was like my first time going to therapy. I journaled ever. every single day. Ever. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And journaled every single day. I don't I don't even think I realized at the time what I was doing. My body just kind of did what it needed to do mm-hmm. in order to like continue. Yeah. So back to your point of being an intuitive person. Like yes. people get signals all the time and mm-hmm. they don't listen to it at all. I mean, and I just kind of let my body yeah. do its thing. Yeah. My body took me home and yeah. isolated me because that's right. what I had to do. Right. And it kind of like started my whole journey. Mm-hmm. But the therapy, I'm sorry, the therapy came while you were there. Mm-hmm. I started therapy okay. like so the week that... that I went there. Okay. So it's... Yeah. Huh. How did you find the therapist? Or like, did you, did you have the plan of like, when I get home, no, I'm going to find a therapist? I didn't. It was I... like, I, you got home and then all of a sudden it landed. I need to find a therapist. I had been thinking about therapy for a long time, but I, for whatever reason, I was always finding an excuse. Mm-hmm. And... I found BetterHelp, which is like an online yes. site. Um, yes. And I, I would love for them to sponsor us. Yeah, seriously, actually. <laughs> yeah. I they're, they're amazing. They got me hooked up with the therapist that I'm still with today. Mm-hmm. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I tried a couple therapists before. So it just so happened, I went to multiple therapists before that I tried sessions with and it just like didn't Through BetterHelp. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I always tell people like you need to, it's like dating. Yeah. You have to find the Please, right fit for you. Please, people, keep that in People mind. give up yeah. so quickly. They're like, oh, oh yeah. I tried it and it just oh, yeah. it wasn't no, the right fit. Totally. Like, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know how many therapists I saw before. I was like, after seeing so many therapists, it was like, okay, this is, so I know what I don't want. Mm-hmm. And now I know what I want. It's dating. It's and literally totally. dating. You got to find the right fit. Yeah, I mean, and I would, even then, it's it's not. It's like it's like any relationship. It's like yeah. I don't believe in the one, mm-hmm. but there's the one that's really really great for right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that might change in the right. future. You might need something else. Right. But yeah, so I started going to therapy, and I a couple months before the pandemic, I had just gotten out of a very unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, we just like were not a fit. Loved mm-hmm. each other so much. Mm. Didn't work together at all. Mm-hmm. So well, hold on. This is incredibly confessional. And yeah. your fans are probably going to listen to this. You cool with this? Yeah, I'm very honest. Yeah. Okay, go. I want to be honest. Yeah. Um, you want people to know your story. Yeah. And it's okay. And if talking about this stuff can help somebody else. Yeah. Why would I not? Totally. But yeah, so. It didn't work out. You guys just don't work well together. Are you guys still work. friends? Yeah. Yeah. It was t- it was tough. It yeah. took time yeah. and a lot of conversations and, you know, it's still hard sometimes. But I think ultimately we both really have so much love for each other mm-hmm. and really just want the best for each other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we were not – we're not toxic people, but we were toxic together. Sure. And I also let my trauma come out in our relationship. I didn't even know that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. I was spiraling in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And so was he. Mm-hmm. 
And you interesting. Know. Interesting yeah. to pair up with the person that you're reflecting the most mm-hmm. because you're triggering. And then you end yeah. up triggering each other the yeah. most. But we were yeah. like, I love you so much. Why is this not working? I don't right. understand because I love you so much. Right. And it sounds like there's a, an intense familiarity mm-hmm. there. No wonder you guys love each other so yeah. much. Absolutely. But that familiarity, it's, like, um, it's like when the, you don't want a matching pair a matching set of baggage, you want a coordinating, mm-hmm. pair, a coordinating set of baggage. Yeah. He was the first person who ever made me feel safe. Like, obviously, I wasn't in the relationship. But when you yeah. say it like that, of mm-hmm. course, it was so hard to, like, yes. not be together mm-hmm. when you feel safe. Why would painful. you run away from the person that helps you feel safe? Yeah. Even though you're spiraling out of, your, out of control. Even though you're not right. Right. Bottom line. Right. It just wasn't right. So, you know, all of that happened. And, you know, all this is happening at the same time pandemic and da 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 and I hadn't mm-hmm. made music and during the pandemic I was considering completely quitting music. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to get my master's in human rights advocacy, which I still want to do later in life. Mm-hmm. But, but also being a performer, being an artist and writing the music, yes. you're getting the message out there. That's yeah. another way of human rights advocacy. Exactly. Yeah. And I think around that time, like a couple months down the road, I started to make music for myself, for fun. There was no reason. There was no... I actually made my first EP Mm -hmm. after my breakup. And it's called How to Leave a Lover. And I didn't make it to put out. I made it because I needed to. Mm -hmm. To heal. Isn't ideally that that is the essence of making art to begin with? And in the past, I've only made music because of... Hoping for commercial Hoping for this, hoping for that, whatever. But I was like, I need this. Right. I need this to heal. Um. Started making music for myself and then like started to fucking love it again Mm -hmm. and have so much fun with it. Mm -hmm. And just I got so chaotic with it, like really chaotic with the music that I was making where like, I mean, literally the song that I had that's done the best, it's called Chaos Mode. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea, this concept that I had that I took to probably like 10 sessions and I had and everybody I brought it to was like, that's a stupid idea. Like, we're not going to write that. Mm, um, writing sessions, you mean? Yeah, writing yeah. sessions. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. They're like, we're not going to write that concept. And I was like, okay, I'll take it to another one. Um, it's just so fascinating because as you're saying it, it's like, isn't yeah. that everyone's reality? Right. And I was like, because I was like, the way I was pitching the idea was, I was like, I want you guys to just like roast me. Like, yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm a chaotic Aries bisexual, like fucking roast me. Yeah. Like I had like this lyric, it was like, I'm, this is me putting myself on blast. It was like 324 texts unread. Don't know why I'm still having sex with my ex. Like stuff like that. It was like cha- so chaotic. Yeah. yeah. But it was like kind of funny. Right. I like wanted it to be kind of funny and ridiculous. Yeah. Because um, it's so close to reality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, just roast me. Like it'll be fun. People were like, that's so stupid. Like no. And then I went to this all-female writing camp that my friend Miette organized. And it was like just me and three other girls. And and one of the girls, Tiger, she played this song that she had. And I just knew when I heard her music and her lyrics and everything, I was like, this idea has found a home. And immediately she showed me a song and I was like, I have to tell you this right now. I have this concept and I need to write it with you. And she was like, absolutely. And she was like, I actually have this lyric that I take to like every session and nobody wants it. They throw mm. it away. And she told me the lyric and it was, I'm making daddies out of dads. I'm not a baddie. I'm just bad. And I was like, I love that. And and our crazy ideas just like found a home together. So it's a song that you guys co-wrote. We wrote it. It was me, Tiger produced it and co-wrote. And then Miette and Danny co-wrote as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it was so much fun to write. It took us an hour. It was just like super fun. Oh my God. You took it to 10 sessions and you mm -hmm. ladies put together in Put it together in an hour. And then that's the song that like started my career. You know, I posted it on TikTok. I posted a video of me showing Libby the song. Yeah, you guys And have, it went crazy. You guys have mentioned this. You and Libby have mentioned this before about the the safety of a songwriting session. It's so important. Amongst women. Yes. Specifically amongst women. Yes. That it's like, and it makes me think of the SNL mm -hmm. um, story. I think Tina Fey, uh, there was a bit that was, that had been brought up a few times, um, which was like, you know, Coke classic, Sprite classic, like mm -hmm. all these like retro stuff and bring back the classic. Mm -hmm. And so somebody brought up the idea of like Kotex classic. We're talking about tampons or uh, pads. We're talking yeah. about pads, right? Um, menstrual pads and bring back the classic. And it's like, like five times bigger than a brick, right? <laughs> and see, you find that funny, but it was turned down so many times yeah. because there wasn't a woman in the room. And isn't Another that the way it goes in, in so many right. situations? And it didn't happen until, like, I believe I know the story because it didn't happen until Tina Fey got into the room. And mm -hmm. then it was like, we have to do this. It's so funny. And it was a fucking hit. That's so funny. Right. There's like this. this. Imagine that women can be funny and they can also find things funny. Right. Crazy. Without necessarily, yeah. like, putting anyone down. Yeah. Right? Crazy or concept. Like, being vulnerable and emotional and right. making it funny. Like, yeah. so it's amazing to to hear this. It's not something I think about, you know, mm -hmm. because I'm not in the music world. It's the, um, what it takes to feel safe or what it takes to feel heard it's, as an artist. It's really important in a session to feel that. And I mainly worked as a songwriter in the past until I started releasing this music. I was only a songwriter. Mm -hmm. Not only a songwriter, but I just like mainly focused on mm -hmm. songwriting. Um, and the biggest thing that I've learned is like, a songwriting session is kind of like a therapy session. And this is something Libby and I always say. Mm -hmm. And your job as a songwriter is to make that person feel safe with the ideas that they bring to you mm -hmm. and help them expand on the right? idea. Yeah. Collectively. Well, what do you mean? As in, it's not that one person is necessarily leading the songwriting session, yeah. right? I think. So you're all like being vulnerable with each other. Yes. Yeah. And the worst thing that you can do in a session is oh, say no. Totally. And you learn a lot about how to kind of pivot things because not every… 95% of the ideas that are thrown out in a session are not great. Make it. And they're not going to make it. But. Still be open to it. Be open to it. And also usually it, you you bounce off of each other and then maybe one person says one line and mm -hmm. then it, lead, it leads to the thing. Right. That is, that is the line that does make it in. Right. So that's why when I go into a session, I'm like, say everything. Editing say everything is, that you think. Yeah. You got to throw everything out and then editing it down. With no judgment. Yeah. With no, and that's the, I think that's the thing that is not. That you weren't experiencing in yes. other songwriting sessions unless it was all women. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And that was like a really cool thing. That was kind of the first time that I really… Actually, no. I went to a writing camp before that mm -hmm. where I met Miette. Mm. And Miette's become one of my closest collaborators. Mm -hmm. And Dom. He's my producer and co-writer of like pretty much everything that I put out. Um, and Dom actually organized this camp. And it was during COVID. And this is like… It was also a big moment for me. It was one of those things that changed everything for me without me even knowing it. Mm -hmm. Dom was just like, I want to get a house full of people together. It was November 2020. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I miss creating. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I just want to be in a creative space. I want to get a house full of like seven of the most talented people I know. And let's just create for a week. Amazing. And it just so happened that all of those people were women other than him. Mm -hmm. 
And we all got there. And we, were, we were like, this is so cool. Like, Dom, this is really cool that you're cultivating. Like, And he was like, I didn't do it because you're all women. He, said, he was like, I did it because you're all genuinely the most talented people I know. And that was really big. To That was my first time being in a space like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were multiple queer people there. Like, all women. Just, like, very supportive. Yeah. Kind of, you know, just a really great creative energy. Not even creating for a specific reason. It wasn't a songwriting camp for a specific artist. We were like, let's just make together. Right. Let's just create to create. And I came up with really, really great stuff. And Which it kind feel- of— it started this trend for me of now every time I feel like I hate music because sometimes that happens. It's a yeah, really hard sure. industry. Yeah. And sometimes it, I want to quit. I think it's creativity in general. Yeah. Like especially you when you burn out. Yeah. It's really, especially when you're monetizing on it. Right. It's really like tough. Killing, so, like, killing what you eat. Yeah. yeah. And so I, every time I start to feel that, if I go to a writing camp, it always like rejuvenates me. Yeah. There's so much creati- like creativity yeah. and the energy is just like electric. I think that's so, the thing that so many of us take for granted and yeah, that I'm yeah. really, I've really come into touch with, which mm-hmm. is like working in collaboration. Like I am totally ineffective yes. as a massage therapist unless somebody comes into the room and is with me mm-hmm. for me to work on. Right. And, but also with this, with the podcast, like I could not do this podcast mm-hmm. without you and like being able to soundboard with each other about like, what do you think of this and yeah. how are we going to do this? And like, well, does this work? I've never gotten... I've never understood the people who, like, want to do everything alone. I don't get that. I think that. it's an ego-based thing, personally. That's my opinion. I think there's a lot yeah. of people who do want to do it on their own. They love it. And sure, that's great. Sure. But in my opinion, what I've seen is, at least in the music industry, is mm-hmm. it's it's a very heavily ego-based thing where it's like, I have to do it all on my own. Oh, the control because, issues. Yes. And, like, this is my vision. And I need to execute my vision. And there's and also something to, to be said right. about, and I, said, I don't even know if it's that. I think it's more like, I want to do it all on my own because I so I can say that. I don't want anyone oh, else to gosh, get the credit. Really? I don't want anyone. Yes. That's so, a really common thing. I got to say, listening to, uh, listening to the Noah's, uh, Noah's episode, also part of season two, mm-hmm. and hearing him say initially, like his first venture was done with a partner. And then mm-hmm. he felt compelled to, he was thinking like, oh, could he partner with somebody else? Even though the first experience was like an intense learning experience, mm-hmm. let's say. And it's interesting to me. It was interesting to me to hear him say that he felt it, – it's almost like he felt compelled to find a partner. Mm. But when I started my massage business, there was no notion of having a partner. Yeah. Even though I love working in collaboration. Yeah. But I also feel like an accidental business owner because I also never thought I'd have a massage business to begin with. And it wasn't your plan. It wasn't it wasn't not originally my plan. Yeah. I was very happy being a, a sole practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um but now that I've been doing business for some time, there's this feeling of after doing my business for some time, there's this feeling that how nice would it be? to have a partner, to bounce ideas off of. And part of the reason why I started the podcast is just like, I need to socialize with other entrepreneurs and other business owners because it's like, I'm mm-hmm. in my own bubble and I need to get out because I've totally lost perspective. Yeah, totally. And I think, like for me in music, mm. I just get the most joy out of creating with other people. Yeah. And working with other people, the best stuff the things that I like the most usually come out of collaboration with other people but at the same time like one of my favorite songs that I've ever written was something that just came over me one night and I Mm -hmm. sat down and I worked on it for 12 hours straight and I wrote the whole thing back to front started producing it out did all these vocals posted demo on like Instagram loved it yeah I felt like something came down inside of me and like took over yeah 
um, genius came to visit you. Yeah, and it was just, I couldn't stop. I was like obsessively working on this and it, until I like had this thing and I was like, oh my God, what did I just make? Yeah, but it's not binary. Create, the creative process exactly. is not binary. Exactly, but that, right? that's lightning in a bottle. Totally. That's not the norm. Right. And then I brought it to my producer and he produced it out and we made it together and right. whatever. Right. But for the most part, yeah. And and I'm a musician and I need to do this for I'm not doing it for money. Right. <laughs> you don't get into music for money. I don't think anyone who really follows their passion yeah, is like, doing it for money. Right. Like I need the, to that, do it for joy. So right. if I'm doing it for joy, that usually means I'm collaborating. Right. If someone's passionate fun. about anything, yeah. you're going to do it regardless of whether you get paid for it. Exactly. Right. And it just so happens that now, ever since I started doing it because I love it, mm-hmm. since I started doing it not giving a shit about who listens to it. Yeah. Not that I don't give a shit about the people who listen to it, but I Obviously didn't. I didn't care like about them. But it's yeah, not. It's not you know the driving I mean. factor. It's like you love it, it and you connect with it. Great. I wasn't. Yeah. Putting it out there because I needed it to be successful. You weren't putting it out there looking for affirmation either. Yes, necessarily. exactly. I put it out there because I was so excited about it because I felt so good and I was like, why not? Right. And the why added, would I not? And the added benefit is and that people connect with it. It just so happened that people yeah. were like, "This is really good." Right. This is a perspective I haven't really seen before. Like. Yeah. This is a, it was cool. I was making music about being like a bisexual, chaotic, Hispanic woman. And like, that's not a thing that's out there that people in in mainstream music, you know what I mean? Totally. Like, I mean, not that to say I know much about mainstream yeah. music, but it's just like your but, experience. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people tell me that my music helped them come to terms with their bisexuality, like yeah. with their queerness, with this, that, and the other. And that's so cool. And I didn't expect that when I put this out there. This this was just me being my authentic self, being like, I'm having fun with this and I want to put it out there because I am proud of it. Yeah. And then everything else is just like cake. Yeah. So you start writing for the love of it. You, you rediscover your love of writing music back in 2020. Mm-hmm. And here you are. Like, I don't even know. I, I don't look at your Instagram page. I don't look <laughs> at your TikTok. I just can't. It's like, what? How the you want to see it? No, <laughs> how you? I know you know. How many followers do you have now? Like on what platform? <laughs> Give me one. I have more on TikTok. Okay, um, but how do you like? I don't imagine like we've just discussed. This, you didn't do any of this for social media success. No, by any definitely means. definitely not. But I'm assuming in 2019, I have a very big love hate relationship with social media. Sure, who doesn't? If you don't have a love hate relationship, you really need help. <laughs> Um, so the, like back in 2019, I'm sure nobody knew who you were. And no, not at all. Right. Like, except yeah. for your friends, but like no one, like, you know, like, I don't want to walk down the street with you and have people. It's like, cool. It's like being with Adam, like mm-hmm. my partner, my love. Like we walk down the street, people will walk up to him. He doesn't even have that many followers. Like, yeah. I don't know how this happens. People will walk up to him and shake his hand. Yeah. And, and I'll be like, babe, do you know who that was? And he was like, nope. Because they love what he's doing yeah. with Dirty Billy. Yeah. That's a really cool thing that's that came from TikTok and is I mean, it's like don't bite the hand that feeds you, but also TikTok is toxic. <laughs> TikTok is so toxic. It's the place I got my platform. Yeah. And that I've connected with so many incredible people. Yeah. And also it's it's social media. Yeah. It's really, really toxic. Is it really um, toxic or an yes. incredible tool that's been abused? Both. Yeah, it's turned in. I, this that's a whole other podcast that I could get into. Yeah, you know, let's not let's not get into because that because I don't want to alienate your, your yeah. TikTok followers. Right, and yeah. I will continue doing 
TikTok for those people yeah. because of those like really genuine people. And that's how they hear my new music and that's mm-hmm. how they stay up to date. And people like love to watch my relationship with Libby mm-hmm. and they love to see videos of Apollo. Yeah. You know, like it's really cool because you get to share your life. I get to share my life. It's not just my music. People are like, people want to see my you. life and yeah. it's really fun like that I, I like to show people that's oh, why I think man, I, the videos that you put up I'm like, like hard <laughs> on my sleeve I'm like I want people to see these sides of me yeah but then it is sometimes tough because then people feel you owe them right or they own you yes I mean it's interesting because people that I've never met a lot of, a lot of people that I've never met know what the inside of my apartment looks like mm-hmm. thank know, god they don't know where it is I've had people take videos of me on the train Oh and my like god! Post it and like seriously, DM me and be like, "I just saw you on the train, but I didn't want to say anything." Or like, yeah, we've had me and Libby have both had people approach us and think that they know us. I'm like, "Hey, like it's so good to see you." And we're like, "Hey, like, yeah. hi." And they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I thought I knew you. I just, I'm. This is really embarrassing. Like, I know you from yeah. TikTok, but you know, with the nature yeah. of TikTok, people feel like they know you, right? And it's hard to remember. It's which continu- is cool. It's really cool. It's cool, but they're also starting yeah. their continuing conversation they're having with you in their head. Yeah, which are very do naturally. <laughs> but it's like it's interesting. Yeah, but it's also really cool because it's me and Libby started this series that we dropped off on. Unfortunately, just because we got so busy with life, we started this thing called Breakup Bangers, where people would send in mm, their yes their their breakup stories because we were like we're in a happy relationship. Like, what do we write about? <laughs> right. And then Libby came up with the idea and was like, we should ask people to send in their breakup stories. And it kind of started this really cool thing of people. It even got to the point where people were sending their stories. They'd just like go on and on and on. And then they'd be like, actually, like, even if you don't use this, like, thank you for mm-hmm. giving a space. Yeah. And for like wanting to hear about this and that, you know, and it was, it was really cool to be able to connect with people. I think TikTok has allowed me to connect with people in a much more intimate way mm-hmm. that I really enjoy. But then for me, the job... What were you going to say? I was going to say, don't listen to her music. Don't go to her TikTok. Don't go to her Instagram because it's fucking addictive. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. It's because it's so much fun. It is. I mean, I want, if I can help people have a better day. Yeah. From a stupid video that I post of me and my dog or like me taking a video of Libby eating a chip sandwich, like I'm going (laughs) to do it. Sure. (laughs) You know. So how do you get from like falling in love with music again? How do you go from that to being a social media darling. Like, you're just posting your music. I understand that in all this time, it seems like you've gotten a better handle of, like, keeping up with the pace yeah. of creating content. But initially... It was a learning curve. It was a, it was learning, a learning curve. curve. Yeah, I think... Not not intentionally, I'm sure, right? It yeah. It was just so, about promoting the music. It was about... Um, It actually started... I've had a lot of people... I'd had a lot of people tell me that I should start doing, like, TikTok and mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, mm-hmm. because of my love-hate relationship with socials. And mm-hmm. I just, like, for whatever reason, couldn't really get myself to do it. And then I started dating Libby. Mm-hmm. And I saw Libby having so much fun with it. And Libby mm. kind of taught me how to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing it on my own. And people started following me from Libby's page. Because mm-hmm. they were like, oh, my God, I love you guys together. Mm-hmm. So I think I had, like, ten to 15,000 followers. Yeah. From just, like, me and Libby posting cute, oh. dumb shit together. Yeah. And then… Because you guys are cute and dumb together. <laughs> yeah. And then I posted and I was like, okay, like I have a song coming out. Uh, uh-huh. Let me just post it. Like it was just like a fun thing where I was like, baby, I wrote a song. And I was just showing them chaos mode. You didn't start with the song. You no. just started. I just started posting stuff. Just just My stuff. first, like, yeah. yeah, I just started posting whatever for fun, like trends or like videos of me and Apollo or wow. me and Libby. 
And then you Me and organically my developed a following from and that. And then it and, went from 15,000 yeah. followers to I posted the video of chaos mode and I went, posted it, got on a plane, shut my phone off, got off the plane in LA. <gasps> and I had like, I think I'd gone from 15,000 to the course of like five hours. I think it went up to like 75,000 followers. Oh my God. And my video was going viral and people were like really stoked about the song. And did anyone even know you were a songwriter on social media yet? Not really. Yeah. No. Wow. And, Crazy. And that was really cool because then I had, the song came out five days after that went viral. So wow. the people who wanted it on TikTok yeah. translated over to streams. Wow. And I ended up being able to move the followers from TikTok over to listeners, people mm -hmm. who really love mm -hmm. the music. And now I have like a really dedicated fan base mm -hmm. um, because of TikTok. I, I wouldn't have been able to reach that audience without it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that was a really cool. And then we had another song go viral called Venus and Gemini, where we wrote it in a car, you me, and Libby, and Miette. Mm -hmm. Miette like produced a track. And, mm -hmm. I, and we were like, this is amazing. Pull over right now. Pulled over into a cemetery in Ohio because nice. we're road tripping from LA. Yeah. And this is right after Chaos Mode went viral. Uh-huh. This is all in the, the yeah. chaos yeah. of everything. I'm getting phone calls from labels, from managers. Everybody wants what's hot on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I had no idea how to deal with this at all. Then I get COVID. Then we're stuck in a road in, or on a road trip together, sleeping in a tent across country because we had to come back. But we couldn't give anybody COVID. Yeah. So we slept in a tent for 10 days. I have like, one of the sleeping bags. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's going on eBay. You do. <laughs> And then we like, Miet was like, we went to Zion and then we were all feeling really like excited and yeah. like rejuvenated. And we we're like, let's make music. So Miet starts making this beat, shows us the beat. We pull over to a cemetery in Ohio in the rain and we write this. Crazy. And then we're like, let's make a video of us writing it. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. And then that went viral. Yeah. It was really cool because people were like in it for the music. Yeah. People loved watching the creative process. Yeah, totally. It wasn't just the music. People were kind of like, they want nobody really done that yet to that extent. I think it feels as far like, as I'd seen. Yeah, yeah, but it feels like people who are not creative like don't mm -hmm. know how it is that mm -hmm. other people are. Creative. And it was cool to see people get stoked on watching us like bounce ideas off of each other. People mm -hmm. were like, "Oh, like we never get to see the side of the creative process in making music." So like, thank you for sharing. Yeah, which and I that don't was get. really cool. Like, don't how do people not know about this? Yeah, but I guess. It, it's also before that show on Netflix came out about, mm -hmm. like, the songs and the writing. Alicia, yeah. Alicia Keys. Like, yeah. there's a video, you know, they're taking footage of her writing a song with a mm -hmm. three-hour drive, beautiful song. Yeah. We've never heard the song without this episode. I'm yeah. sorry, I can't remember the co-writer's name. But I guess what you're talking about happened before that show, like, mm -hmm. even made it to Netflix. Yeah, I didn't even know about that show. Do you even know about it now? No. This is the first time I'm telling you about yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to look it up. But, um... Yeah, wow. it was super I, cool. It I was, think I live under a rock. And yeah. I just told you about a show. You don't know <laughs> you told about. Me about a show, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm so like, I am a little bit of a workaholic. Mm -hmm. and No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're texting each other it's at like, like 1 a.m. Yeah. because you're still working. Yeah. And I have insomnia. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, it's to the point where like, I get home. I'll work during the day. I take my mornings for myself. Mm -hmm. I don't start working in the morning. I, that doesn't work for me. I take Apollo for a walk. I make breakfast. I go to the gym. Mm -hmm. The vibe. Play my video game, maybe read. I don't know. I like to have my mornings to do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And then I start working in the afternoon. Then usually I'll either go do something in the evening and then come back and continue working. Or I'll like watch TV, play my video game, mm -hmm. make dinner with Libby. Yeah. And then continue working. Yeah. Because I actually work the best at night. Mm -hmm. 
I love working at night. Yeah, good thing you're not having kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't work. Man, I'm still, like, Grace is almost four. Yeah. And, like, I'll be tired. I'll be tired all day. And then 1130 comes around, and I am wide awake. That's, yeah. No nap, no caffeine. I'm just wide awake. And, like, night owl. my brain's churning with ideas. And it's like. And you're like, I need to sleep. Right. It's like, she's going to wake me up at 730. Like, anyway. So yeah. I feel you on this. Um, yeah. I envy you on this. <laughs> I feel like I don't even know what started this whole tangent, but. Um, oh, I think you were just talking. Asking like, me about TikTok and stuff. Yeah, like the getting from no one knows you in 2019 to mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, how did this happen? How do you have, like, over 75,000 yeah. followers? Clear, like, way more than that at this point, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I didn't know this about you. <laughs> like, like, but, like, followers, it's just yeah. a number. Yeah, yeah. You know, like. It is. But it's also keeping in mind that when you reach a certain threshold, it's, it becomes self-perpetuating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. So it's not that it's not just mm-hmm. a number. Like from a business standpoint, right, right. It's amazing what you've been able to do because you don't the 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 initial push feels pretty hard, and the creating content is never ending. The cycles, following the cycles, never ending. You're feeding the beast, feeding the beast, exactly. But then it's but it's also nice to know that you don't have to push so hard to promote yourself because oh, I you're, do, I do. Mm, I'm I'm in the thick me, of it. Tell me about it. I'm like really, really in the thick of it, and I'm also. As a queer person and somebody who's still struggling with my cultural identity, I'm half Cuban, half white, but I identify way more with being Cuban and like Cuban culture. It's so funny because I'm full on Asian and I totally identify as being white. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> yeah. very, it's confusing. I'm also white passing. I'm very white passing, but yeah. then in also other situations, I'm not. I mean, I had a conversation with my friend who's also like half white, half like, I think she's Puerto Rican and... She's, like, in a room full of white people. Mm-hmm. I'm the only person of color. Mm-hmm. And in a room full of people of color, I'm the only white person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just kind of an interesting place to be. And I haven't, like, quite figured out how to yeah. dissect it or, like, yeah. even really speak about it yeah. in I a think, productive way. I think about that for my nephews and niece mm-hmm. and for Grace. Like, yeah. It's not that I've set her up. But, like, what does that mean? You know, I mean, it's even myself, being an American, being born and raised here. Because right. you were raised in Queens, right? Uh, yeah, born and raised in Queens. Yeah. But, like, people look at me, and it's like this Asian American, uh, Asian American experience. And it's like, I don't know what that means because it's just the experience that I had. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like yeah. this whole, like, API hate thing. It was like, but I don't experience that. Why don't I experience that? Is it because, and like, what does it mean? Am I American Asian? Am I Asian American? Like, what does yeah. this mean? Because like, yes, my parents are from Asia and we had a little bit of that in our household, but it's not like I grew up in an Asian community. Mm-hmm. Like I, there are so many superstitions in Asian culture that I know nothing yeah. about. And then so Would like, you say you feel a lot more like a New York, like you're like, I'm a New York. You're like, I'm from I Queens. feel like, like that's just it. That's your experience. I feel like the quintessential American. Yeah. Like the melting totally. pot. Like we're, yes. the whole country is made up of immigrants. So the mm-hmm. whole notion of like closing the borders. Is like, totally. Really? It's like, so you, you, you're here enough generations and all of a sudden like other immigrants can't come over. Like, where do you think you can, where do you think this country was born from? Excuse me, United States of America, not the Native Americans. Um, to right. be clear. Um, so yeah, this, this cultural identity thing, it's it's hard because mm-hmm. I, I feel you in the sense like you identify as being Cuban and it's the Cuban-American experience in America, right? And you grew up in Michigan. So yeah. like what does yeah. this mean? It's, it's, yeah. The whole notion of – I think 
another uh, way, another way to frame this is what is the American experience? Right. Yeah. Because once upon a time, the Italians were discriminated against and mm-hmm. then it became the Irish. Yeah. And that was only because the English had been here for so long. Yeah. And, then, and now the, you know, it's like one group is just shitting on another group. Yeah. Or it's like we need this division. Yeah. And but why it's, do we it's need this division? It's interesting too because I go to like Latin American cultures and like countries and I feel… American. No, I feel at home. Really? I was raised like… My abuelita, like, mm. my dad, like, it's very much, like, they're Cuban. Mm-hmm. My abuela mo- moved from mm. Cuba when she was, like, late teens mm-hmm. to escape everything. Yeah. So it's super interesting that you feel so Cuban and you can't, but it's a Cuba of your, a Cuba <laughs> that does not exist anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's just really interesting it's it's very interesting and it's something that I, again, like I don't even know really how to fully talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, all that's to say, to like take it back to TikTok, just, just the fact that I'm still, I am a, I'm bisexual. I felt for a really long time like invalid as a queer person because of my bisexuality and mm-hmm. having historically dated men mostly. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's important that I started to make music it's okay to be also you know straight people think that you're just straight people and queer people think that you're just like baiting they also think there's a there's a um wait they're all acting like this is binary right dude it's not zeros and ones we're not zeros and ones there's a huge um what's the word stereotype Mm -hmm. there's a huge stereotype that bi people are cheaters that they are because I will never be satisfied with just one. Right. It's like, it's like it oh, you're like, hey, you're cake and eat it too. And it's like, no, I'm literally just attracted to who I'm attracted to. And what that's happens, it. What happened in love is love. Like, love is love. It's a thing. It's such a thing. You love people. It just so happens. Like, the queer community has its sides. own issues yeah. within. Yeah. I digress, but I, all, I say that to lay out that it's not easy on social media for mm. me. I get shadow banned a lot. I'm a bisexual Latina woman, and mm-hmm. I talk about the fact that I'm Cuban mm-hmm. and that I'm really proud of that and that mm-hmm. my culture really influences me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cuban culture influences the music that I make, and th- we talked about that. Um, <laughs> I talk about that, and I put it in the forefront of my music, and I also talk shit about men, and I talk shit about women, and I talk shit— Like, I yeah. call everybody out. Like, yeah. I like in a song to use every pronoun. I have a song called Cohiba, and it's like, I might be pretty, but I got that kind of energy, intimidated because your girl's just so obsessed with me. And then the next chorus is, I might be pretty, but I got that kind of energy, intimidated because your man's just so obsessed with me. Just like flip-flopping back and forth and like really trying to normalize it. Yeah. And be like, yes, I am attracted to man, woman, AFAB, AMAP. I'm attracted to who I'm attracted to, and I want that to be a normal thing. Yeah. And I think even if you weren't bi, and that wasn't the context of the song, I think it would still apply. Yeah. Like, yeah. even in a straight situation, the guy could be jealous of the woman. The exactly. woman could be jealous of the woman. And whatever, regardless. But all that's to say it pisses off a lot of people. Yeah. I get shadow banned a lot. Yeah. I get but this is hated on a lot. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're getting hated on for really specific things versus, yeah. I think, anyone who creates any content yeah. and puts themselves Everybody's, out there. Anybody who puts themselves on there and once you reach a certain level, right. you're going to be getting that, and that's fine. You're gonna, I know that's going to happen. It doesn't really bother me, but 
Um, it seems to be the experience, though, having things be binary. I either yeah. love you or I hate you. I think it's more just frustrating in the sense of social media and TikTok where I have my followers. I have my people who want to listen to me. But then mm-hmm. I get – my content gets ducked. My content gets, um, like, stifled. Mm. Even the people who follow me rarely see my content because the platform oh, wow. has flagged me as a certain kind of creator. Right. You mentioned, you mentioned this sometime And that's ago. when it gets frustrating. That's when yeah. I am like – how I don't understand how they can create filters like that, but I also don't understand it's Chat whole, GPT yet. Yeah. Oh my god, a whole beast. Okay, so you talk about being a workaholic, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to ask this question because I I know there's no answer. But when you work for yourself and you're create a creative person, the opportunity to work all the time is there. Mm-hmm. So how do you shut it down so that there is space to be creative, right? Because it's like you go into sessions to be creative, but there's also like you're just in your zone and then all of a sudden genius comes to visit you and a song lands really hard and like you can't focus on anything else. Let's say you're in the middle of editing an episode Mm -hmm. because you're the producer of Bank the Fire. Yeah. And then – it's not like like it's not like a song's gonna hit you in that moment, right? I mean, has it? Like, well, sometimes I'll be like, I'll be editing or I'll be doing whatever, yeah. whatever else, yeah. And then I'll just kind of like get this like, and that's what I'm talking about. The whatever else is like, are we talking about like doing the dishes or like going for a walk? Well, I have severe ADHD, so my day looks very chaotic to the outside eye. Where I to get one task done, I usually do twenty other tasks, five different things. Yeah. 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 So, so I love it when you say I'm really intentional with my time. How? You have ADHD. <laughs> Good luck, sister. It's <laughs> like, very difficult. I don't have ADHD and well, I have like to do 20 things to do the yeah. my task is where I have my master list of things that I need to do. Yeah. And then every day I look at what's the most important. Yeah. And I try as hard as I can to do those things. Yeah. Cuz it makes it a lot more digestible and manageable to do it yeah. that way. Yeah. But obviously it doesn't always work that well. It's not some sometimes there's days where it's so like unhinged where I like cannot sometimes I just can't. And yeah. if those days where I'm really fighting against myself to get mm-hmm. something done, then mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe I need to stay to rest. Yeah. Maybe my body's telling me and my yeah. brain is telling me yeah. that I should just do something for myself right now. Yeah. What does that look like? It'll look like taking Apollo to the park. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is with takes has to do with Apollo. Mm-hmm. Like making him happy. Yeah. Makes me happy. Yeah. So, like, taking him to the park so he can just play. Yeah. Taking him to pick out new toys at the toy store. Yeah. Or, like, playing a video game. Yeah. Love playing video games. And it helps me, like, turn my brain off when I'm still, like, being active. Yeah. Journaling. Yeah. Just that kind of thing. Doing all the things. Cooking. That, yeah, whatever self-care love looks cooking. like. cooking. Whatever that looks like in the moment, I try to be, like, sit down with myself and be like, what feels good to you right now? What is it? I sent you a quote today. Did you get it? Yes. Yeah, the one you sent earlier. Yeah. I'm just going to read it. So if it's in an episode, we can quote it on on social media. Let's see. Listening to a fantastic episode of The Armchair Experts with Rami Youssef. No idea who this guy is. Uh, apparently, I need to check out his show, his his um, productions. Mm-hmm. I guess he was a stand-up, and now he's in a show called Rami. And I don't watch TV, but it's like, okay, I think I need to watch this one. Mm-hmm. And it, just listening to this guy talk about his spirituality and yeah. um, how religion is part of his life. And um, it's just, it, he's just, he seems like a really thoughtful person. Yeah. 
And in the midst of this, Monica Padman, producer of that show, says, you have to take at face value people's definition of well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just something, to, it's like I asked you, like, what does that look like? It looks different for everybody. Totally. And just keeping that in mind. Yeah. Like if it, for some people, if it means like laying on a bed of nails or, yeah. and, I, and I say this because I've actually done it and it's an incredibly relaxing experience. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, when it, I respect it. When it's a, a good bed of nails, it's actually really relaxing. <laughs> I'm not kidding, folks. I'm serious. Um, Disgrace <gasps> That's land, so uh, funny. Hook squad. Anyway, like way back in the day. Um, but it's like bed of nails or going for a run or like taking a shower. Like, yeah. Right? Or like yeah. going for a walk with your dog yeah. or like cooking a meal for 20 people, whatever it yeah. looks like. Right? Like I love, like if Libby's going out with the boys or something, I love yeah. staying in, making myself a really nice meal. Yeah. Having a glass of wine. That's it. Maybe like everything journal else is like awesome. or everything yeah. else. And then I'll just go do whatever. Right. But I love cooking. Yes. Oh, which is so amazing to me because you think I'm a good cook. And I'm like, really? You're a great cook. Thanks. You're a really great cook. But like I. You're a very intuitive cook. I can't wait to like experience your cooking. Yeah. It's not as, I'm telling you, it's not as. I don't Not understand. as good as yours just because I haven't done it as much. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Okay. And, you know, bear in you mind. You cook for a family all the time. Now, only because I have to keep yeah. the little one alive. Right? You literally have to keep a child alive. But I... Whereas I'm still like, what's the cheapest, most delicious thing I can make? You know what right, I mean? Right, like, right. Um, But it's still satisfying to you. Yeah, I love it. Is I it? love it. My my family is very cooking or Cuban mm. culture is mm. very much oh, oriented. Totally. Asian culture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, Not when that. I go home... I went home for Christmas and we did a big old pig roast. And oh, we, amazing. It's this big tradition that we do. I'm coming home with you next year. Oh, it's so oh, amazing. We do the pig roast. Everybody. The whole, like prepping the pig is a whole festivity. And yep. then like cooking the pig is a, is a is a festivity. We take it off and we have like piles of salt and lime around. We Yum. all have like our beers and we're like dancing to Cuban music together, like eating oh, Grace the would best be parts. so at home. Yeah. She needs more grandparents. Yeah. Um, and she needs, oh, she wants Debbie. And Libby. <laughs> oh, this is how Grace says Desi's name, by the way. Debbie. 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 Because she Debbie. can't say the, the Z That's part so yet. That's so cute. Um, and so, and she has Debbies in her life. And I'm like, Debbie, we just saw Debbie. And she's like, no, Debbie. <laughs> like, which Debbie? <laughs> no, Debbie. Libby. That's so her cute. Her boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> which is funny because I'm the boyfriend. You're the boyfriend, which I love which so, so much. I love how it's like this is innocence. So innocent. It's like, has no concept of gender, gender lines, or anything like whatever. that. Whatever, right. And so, anyway, I digress. Which uh, I love. I think that's so pure. The, um, so is it, oh yeah, no, for everyone to keep in mind, I only started cooking over, just over five years ago. I dream about the pate. <laughs> something I made, folks. She's I dream I about it. That's so funny. Yeah, maybe I'll... Sh- I don't know. It's a pretty intense... Um, it's, like, very involved, isn't it? No, it's not very involved. I, I figured out how to do it all in one really? pan versus, like, three pans. That's no, amazing. But I found that two pans actually has a, the best. a better result. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you read a recipe. So my thing is, so lesson in cooking is that I don't, like, read a recipe. I read, like, 20 recipes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I can do this step and I can do yes, this step. Yeah. And I think that's the best. Cooking is – recipes are a suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. They're a guideline. I do the same thing. Not a hard and fast rule. But I don't just pick a recipe. Yeah, totally. But, and then, like, 
I don't even look at the amounts usually of stuff. Oh, yeah, right. Something. Oh, my gosh. When they say, like, two cloves of garlic, you mean, like, like 15? Yeah, I'm like, ew. Or it's, like, like, ew, I need, like, at least an entire, like, bulb of garlic. Right. Or it's, like, a quarter teaspoon of salt. You Or, oh, my gosh, desserts and there's no salt drives me crazy. Psychotic. It's, it's like, hello, you're not. There's Acid, no salt, fat, heat. Thank you. How did we get here? We're <laughs> talking about cooking. Cooking. And, oh, you're a good cook. Oh, th- <laughs> thanks. Um, adulting, career. Uh, what are you working on now? So I'm about to be out of this deal. I have one more song with them coming out February 24th. Mm-hmm. And then I have a string of singles I'm releasing independently. Mm-hmm. Right, because the contract is how long? The post-contract? Three months exclusivity with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm releasing some alt versions with them just to kind of stay up yeah. on the radar and everything. And mm-hmm. have stuff being released to stay in the algorithm of Spotify. <laughs> but um, then I'm releasing some stuff that I'm really, really excited about. I'm really stoked. Just it's just a string of singles, yeah, just yeah. independently. I've uh, saved up a lot of money, started a business account, um, taken some back catalog deals so that I can put it aside for when I'm indie. What does that mean, back catalog deals? I signed my back catalog for an advance. So I still own all the rights to it, but they just gave me an advance, and now they get all the royalties until that advance is paid off. Ah, uh, okay. Got yeah. it. So I signed a back catalog deal, nothing like really crazy, but just mm-hmm. enough for me to put aside money mm-hmm. to pull from when I'm indie, mm-hmm. when I go independent. And I can then be making all the content myself, be making all the, you know, I can fund, I can fund myself. Yeah. I'm investing it back into myself. Yeah. So that's my plan is to just start doing it, doing it all myself. I made more money and was more successful and enjoyed it a lot more when I was independent. Yeah. When I had that control yeah. over everything. Yeah. So it sounds like it's worked out for you that no one wants to sign you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that no one wants to sign me. I've had a lot of people. Or not the companies that it's. Do you have an ideal company that you'd want to work with? You know, I used to. No, the more I get into the industry, the more I'm kind of like, oh, they're all, they're all the same. Yeah. I mean, if you can do it yourself. If I can do it myself make more money and like I I look at it as I'm the CEO of my business. Yes, you are. I am I wish literally, all artists would recognize They should that. and they don't because yeah, they we're don't. taught that we're the product and that's it. Yeah, which is unfortunate. And that we need everybody else to make us successful. But the truth is, the music industry wouldn't exist without the artist. Right. I am the brand, I'm the product and I'm the CEO. Mhm. I have control yes. over all of it. Yes. Because it's me and ultimately yes. it's my face, it's my voice, it's my words that are being put out there. Mhm. So I make the calls, period. Are you all listening to that? <laughs> I will not enter a deal that values me as anything less than that. Right. If I enter a deal, they work for me. Right. Yes. And of course, I want it to be mutually beneficial. That's the whole point of... Because we work in collaboration. Right. But at the end of the day... But there needs to be an understanding right? that I got to where I am right. because... I am the CEO. Yeah. Because of the choices I make the decisions. that you made. Yes. Have brought you Have this brought much me to this place. Right. And I'm going to continue functioning that way. Right. So. It, you're not finding a limit in the choices that you have made. Yeah. So that's my ideology of approaching my music. And it took me a while to get there. Hmm. Why? What happened? Was it because of working in this company? Like what led you there? Like um, I could have told you that like two years ago. I don't understand. Yeah. But it's like what you said. Like. 
A lot of artists don't see that. Mm. Oh. Everyone thinks that we are the product and that you're just... um, We need everybody else to get us there. I think... But now I've changed the whole thing and it's... Do you know what shifted for you? How that shifted for you? Um, I don't. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think it came with believing in myself, trusting myself, that I do know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That I actually know what Because in the past, it was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. I need people to whatever. I guess it was like, just a gradual I know process. I know what the fuck. Yeah, it was yeah. a gradual process. There was never like a shift. Right. And it did get to a point where I worked with some people where I didn't feel like they were stoked on it. And I was like, oh, nobody's ever going to be as stoked on my music as I am. Nobody's ever going to be as hype as I am. I'm the CEO of this company. Right. I am the product, the brand, the CEO. And ultimately, I only want to be working with people who are as stoked. But the hierarchy of that, for it to be successful for me, Mm -hmm. needs to be that it all has to go through me. Yeah. And I hired a manager. I have a manager and he does his stuff and he'll take the meetings and then he'll bring it to me. Like, I've had to learn how to let other people do things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's also the part of, yeah. Yeah. It was was really, really hard for me to delegate for a long time when I signed with my managers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got to a point where he was like, I'm, Working with you for a reason. Mm-hmm. I want to be doing things for you. He sounds so like the me. ideal. He sounds yeah. like what it is that you're trying to draw into yourself, which mm-hmm. is you're no one's going to be as stoked about your music as you will be. But but I need, need people who are also almost just yeah, as stoked as I am. Almost just as stoked. If not, ideally, if not stoked. ideally, you're finding the person who's more stoked than you. Yeah. And is really going to push you and will really um will exercise their faith yes. in your ability to be an artist. Absolutely. Just something to keep in mind. I guess at the that could be the separation between the artist who understands that they're CEO versus the artist who doesn't believe they're the CEO. Because it's like, I, and we're diving into like theoretical psychology here. Of right. Like, they're looking for some affirmation. And it's like, when you say I'm okay, then therefore I must be doing okay. Right. Right. Because they are not aware, uh, self-actualized and, enough to, right. aware enough to like own and it's still You're hard sometimes because of like what I can bring. It's really hard sometimes because sure. also we live in a world where that like doesn't want to see somebody like me succeed. Yeah. Well, hold on. How about the days you have imposter syndrome? You must oh, have all days. the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Of course. And then what? I mean, I, and like I'm asking this, but like I had imposter syndrome probably just last weekend. Where it happens. Like, I don't think it's something that you ever like goes away pure right. it's never like oh I don't feel that anymore sometimes the voice is quieter than other days yeah it's probably the safer uh, it's probably the better way to put it like I had a show Wednesday <laughs> yeah and I walked off the stage and I like saw videos of myself and like all this shit and I was like oh, damn I'm good yeah I was like there's a reason yeah that I am that I'm finding success in this right and there's a reason why all those people showed up to see you yeah and I was like, this feels so good. And then there's other days where I'm like comparing myself to other people mm-hmm. or where I'm like, why I work so hard? Why haven't I gotten this milestone or that milestone or whatever? Or like, do people actually really like my music? Because mm-hmm. this song's not doing as good. Mm-hmm. Like those voices are still there. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're never fully gone. I think it's finding a way to manage them, a way to call out what it is. Mm-hmm. Being like, this is your negative self-talk. Yeah. This is not productive for you. Yeah. And trying to like move through it. Maybe it's the Zen, right? Yeah. The equanimity. Yeah. I like, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's never going to stop. It's always going to, I think it's, it's a, yeah, it's never going to stop. And then, but how do we manage it? Yes. How do we not let it become the bigger voice? Right. Because right now, I still have the bad bitch voice in my head that's like, bitch, you got it. You're yeah. doing it. You yeah. are doing it. You earn your shit. You bust your ass and you earn everything that you've gotten. And you're going to go further. Yeah. But 
you know, some days the negative voice is yeah. louder. And it's like, ha, you suck. Right. It's interesting, though, to think it's like with music, there. I don't know how true this is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but it's like you're not going to be successful if your music sucks. Like there's just no way. Or there's no way to sustain your career if not it's true. not coming from you. Oh, man. Not true at all, unfortunately. And so how there's is a, it? There's a lot of people out there. But, you know, there's a niche for everything. Yeah. Okay. It's the thing. That's the way that I try to say that. Mm-hmm. Because I am really trying to focus on not putting negative energy out there towards other people. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't fuck with somebody's music or their mm-hmm. art or whatever, doesn't mean that I have to be, like, negative. You know, I can yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. maybe it's not my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is still a niche for all of those things out there. There's yeah. so, there's, what, there's over 8 billion people now on this earth. Oh, my God, officially. Really? Yeah. Wow, I totally There's a niche check. for everything. Yeah. There's a niche for music where it's just cats meowing. We can probably like, compare this. This is probably, it's like, okay, let's compare it to massage because mm-hmm. this is, like, my world right now or much of my world or it has been my world how yeah. do I put that anyway it's it's what I've been doing for a little while yeah a while so yeah with massage it took me some time to get here and I don't know what got me here but obviously you know like you it's probably a gradual process like however it's like when people are like you're such a great massage therapist or like you're such a healer and it's just like no I work well with you mm-hmm it doesn't mean I'm going to work well with everybody. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, it's great when... And that's not a reflection on you or the right. people that you don't work well with at right. all. Not at all. And it's not even a reflection of like me and the person I do work well with. It's yeah. just like, it's just it's so just happens. It's just the way that it is. Right. It's just so happens to work. Let's like not pass judgment on that. Let's not put right. anything on it that doesn't need to be put on it. Let's right. not dive too deep when there's nothing really to dive into. Right. It's just like there's something just for the everyone. It and so it's, it's like I understand that it's like not wanting to put too much negative energy out like towards other people's music. It's like, why? There's no reason to. Like it may just not be, as you say, it may just and not be your cup of tea. the industry is really toxic and sometimes it's hard because people like see somebody succeed and they're like, why is that not mine? Like, da-da-da. And then they go yeah. towards like shit talking and being like, it's not even like that good. Da-da-da. And I'm trying no, to come on. clock that. I'm really yeah, trying yeah. to clock that because that's been something but that I've been But to say that the industry in. is toxic, you know, it's like we're talking, let's not confuse individuals who are really struggling with other people's success with the entire industry. But it right? is the industry. Well, I'm thinking about, the, okay, so the industry got- is a, this, the music industry specifically is just Hold the on. entertainment industry. Hold on. Say. Hold on. You've got Apollo. Mm-hmm. I've got Thunder. I think Apollo is probably more of a pit bull type than mm-hmm. Thunder is. And Thunder is probably more like an American Staffordshire type. But they all get lumped in together. So mm-hmm. like in your mind, whatever a pit bull looks like, that's what our dogs are. Right. I had a person come into my house today, um, property manager for the building. And newsflash for people who don't know, the stereotype around pit bulls is that they're aggressive and bite everybody and anything that moves. So scary. And so it's like this guy is looking at my dog. It's like, and he's telling me I've been bitten on the leg by a dog before and Thunder's sniffing his leg. It's like, probably wiped your hand on your pants after you ate breakfast this he's morning. He's a dog and he smells things. It's just, you're, he's bringing the newspaper right now on your leg, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> so this guy is passing judgment yeah. on my animal because of a prior experience, right? And then, yeah. so then it's like. I hear what you're saying. Yes. But the larger ter- the larger trend in the music industry is very competitive in a not healthy way. Sure. And then there's a lot of people that I'm actually talking to right now that are also in the process of unlearning that. Mm. We are, especially as women in pop music, yeah. we are 
constantly pitted against each other. But the by uh, by people in the industry, by everyone. Yeah. So, pitbull is like a huge umbrella term for probably like twenty different dog yes. breeds. Yeah. And so, therefore, with so many dog breeds mm-hmm. in this one category, yeah, the bite rate yeah. is going to be super super high. Yeah. And you and I are like, no. Our dogs are amazing. Yeah. Pitbulls for life. Oh my God. Yeah. Like people pull their pitbulls away from me. I'm like, no, stop. I'm I want wait, I, I want to no. cuddle. I want to kiss. I'm I want to make scared. a dog right I'm now. I'm like, I want my face next to their face. Yeah. Um, it's because they're working because <gasps> uh, I'm staring at them. I have to tell you about something that I found yesterday. Good or bad? Good. So good. Please tell me. I found this animal sanctuary. So one of my stop. long-term goals stop, in my stop, life stop, stop, stop. is no. to open an no. animal sanctuary. Mm. Like literally that's one of my goals. We're giving up our careers, folks, and we're going to go just have this animal sanctuary. You can go. It's in Utah in this beautiful place in Utah. And it's the largest no-kill animal shelter in the country. And they have a whole dog section. They have Dogtown. They have Cat World, Horse Haven. (laughs) Oh, my God. There's, like, a whole pig section. And you can go, and you can stay in these. It's beautiful. It's, like, gorgeous. You can go, and you can stay in these little cabins. And you can, like, volunteer and work with the animals and all this stuff. And they have a location in New York, so I'm going to start volunteering there. (gasps) And then later this year, I'm going to travel out to Utah, and I want to, like, spend time and, like, work at the Animal Sanctuary. Creative camp. Let's go to Utah and have creative camp. I'm like, that fills my cup. Yeah. That is what fills my cup. I want to be surrounded by half the time. I'm like, why am I in music when the thing that brings me the most joy is animals? Like, yeah, that fills my fucking cup. But I'm also like, why can't I do both? Why can't right. I have both? Right. And this is the conversation that we're all having. Of right. Like, do I work for a living or do I be creative and hope I can make a living being creative? And yeah. it's like, and then yeah. killing what you eat. And it's like, you love it and it kills you because you're also dealing with um, this nationwide, uh, nationwide, uh, industry wide. Problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And but it's also something to think about in terms of like, you know, I I was doing this like, oh, and I'm really going to lay myself out there mm-hmm. right now. Like Do it. I was thinking I can't hire massage therapists. They're unreliable. Um, they are free floating, airy fairy, mm-hmm. <laughs> not interested in being dedicated or responsible. It's like they want to heal other people and do the work because yeah. they're not doing the work for themselves. Let's oh, be real. Yeah. There's so much tra- my that projection draws a lot of trauma because mm-hmm. it's like they they want to give to others what they perhaps may, never got mm. for themselves. And you can read into that as much as you want yeah. because, for myself because it's probably true. Yeah. Right. And not to say that my parents were loving, but there was a lot of, you know, stuff that went down in my in my life. I feel like the thing that I'm realizing or that I have realized recently is that every single person, no matter how great your parents were, mm-hmm. oh, they're humans. They're human Gabor beings, Monte. and they're going to impart some shit on you. They're going to impart Monte some bad shit this. on you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gabor Monte is like, yeah. talk to anyone for like 30 minutes, and you'll find trauma somewhere in the <laughs> yeah. history. Yes. But you know, I, all this to say, like, if that is what I'm going to focus on in my industry, then that is also what I'm going to call to me, mm. right? Because I'm putting yeah. out this vibe, like, this is all it is. This is all it is. Newsflash, this is all it is. Yeah. And so that is all I'm training my brain to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. So just something to keep in mind. It's like, yeah, even true. if this is true about your industry, it's like yeah. there are plenty of women who've but been I think massively successful. That's the thing is yeah. I think recently I've found a community of people that aren't yeah. that. Right. Or people who are trying to unlearn that. People who are, right. It's like genuine support and love yeah. and just creative energy and that 
is what I live for. And being in community with those people. Are you being yeah. in community with those people in reaction to or no yes. in tandem? Cool. It, there are two truths at the same yeah. time. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, something to keep in mind because I'm hearing you say toxic and it's just like, yeah. Yes, but it's like it's it's also part of the human experience. Totally right. It's but like I'm kind of like what the what, sharing what of fills suffering. My cup? Right. What fills my cup is working with people that right. I really feel like I want to genuinely support, mm-hmm. and I want that back. And that for a long time, and in, in the experiences that I was having in mm-hmm. the industry, mm-hmm. they weren't sincere. They weren't sincere for a long yeah. time, and you know I'm finding those relationships in the past couple of years, and it's. And they Amazing. are out there. They're yeah. absolutely out there. It's just about finding your people. Yeah, totally. Right? Absolutely. But also, I think recognizing, like, when you experience enough bad stuff that maybe you drew in because it's it's what you were, uh, you were attracting, what you yeah, were reflecting, yeah. right? And then it's like when you have that and you realize you don't want that anymore, and then you recognize what it is that you do want. And that's mm-hmm. what I experienced with Adam. Like, I was in the string of, I don't know how many relationships. Yeah. <laughs> I do know. But anyway. <laughs> But it was like I was in a whole bunch of relationships and I realized I was perpetuating this cycle in every relationship. Mm. And I was like, okay, so I'm the only common denominator here. What is it? It's like, okay, either I'm never in a relationship with, uh, never in a relationship again, which I know is probably not going to happen because I'm extroverted enough to like know that's not going to happen. And so it's like at some point I was like, I need to to define for myself, which I had never clearly done before. What you need in a partner. Right. What I need in a partner, what I need in a collaborator, what I need to in a co-parent, in a co-parent, in all of these different things. But also, like in work life, like I yeah, wasn't, yeah, yeah. like real. I just realized this recently that I also wasn't doing it for myself in my work life, defining mm-hmm. what it was that because I was so focused on what I didn't and a collaborate want, in all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that I wasn't focusing on what I do want. Yeah. Yeah, it's like totally. I want somebody who is reliable. I want someone who's a good communicator. I'm, right. I want someone who's like not afraid to be vulnerable or like who um, is able to take responsibility for their own emotions. Mm-hmm. Also recognizing that I also need to do these things. Yeah, totally. So that's a it's a good point. Just for thinking sure. about in terms yeah. of like we will all find our people it's perspective eventually, but I think it's because we all find them eventually because we finally gain that perspective of what it is that we need. And you do receive what you put out, right? If you're putting out, if you're focusing on negatives, right, you attract negatives. I keep dating narcissists. I don't <laughs> understand how I keep attracting. How does narcissists. this keep happening? Right. So, Desi, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on uh, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, my handle is Desi Music, D-E-Z-I Music. Or on if you want to listen to my music, just D-E-Z-I, Desi, and I'll, I'll pop up. And all the links will be in our show notes. As per usual, I will put them there. <laughs> okay, folks. Thank you so much for listening to my episode with Desi where we talk about everything and nothing at the same time. And it's fantastic. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed season two. And we look forward to seeing you for season three. Bye. And that concludes season two. I hope you enjoyed these conversations. Please revisit our earlier episodes from season one and this season as we prepare for season three. I would like to thank my producer, Desi, for making Bank the Fire possible. I'd like everyone to know we are also on the She Leads podcast network. She Leads Media is creating a movement to get women's voices, thoughts, and opinions out into the world. If you'd like to check out other great podcasts led by women, please check out the She Leads Podcast Network. We'll put links in the show notes for that. And also, if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, like, do all the things, share. 
and visit our Patreon page. We could really use your support in keeping this podcast going.